Welcome into the show. Great to be with you today, Paul George, in studio with the DJ, Deacon Adam <laughs> Conk. How you doing? I'm great, man. Um, Pentecost music. That's right. This Sunday, we celebrate Pentecost. If you're listening to the show this week on Friday or on the podcast, wherever you are, maybe listen to it after. But it is Pentecost this Sunday, which would be June 5th, right? Yeah. 2022. Um, rocking and rolling, man. Rocking and the rolling. The church is alive. We're alive. The church is alive. You know, you ever you ever need a little pick me up, shot in the arm that, you know, God's still alive and He's still doing great things that's all the what, time. That's why we have Pentecost. Yeah, that's why we have Pentecost. Well, it's good to know because have you ever been so tired that you're just yep. I mean, Whatever you're about to say, yes. <laughs> I mean, like, like you're so tired that you're just you're not tired. Oh. Like, like you're you can't so, sleep. Tired so tired you can't that sleep. your body just keeps going. Yeah, you're on adrenaline. Mm-hmm. That's what I feel like. Like, I'm coming out of May just exhausted. Like, we've had so many things, you know, in May. It's a full May. Craziness. All ended with a great celebration, by the way. Speaking of Pentecost, is uh, we celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. We had yeah. an awesome mass. Happy anniversary. Bishop Sam Jacobs came in. It's a wonderful priest. Father Mike Delcom, Father Andrew Schumacher. Mm-hmm. Father Jim Brady let us use the church, and then um, family and friends, and then we had a party at our house after. So anyway, we really felt like, you know, we don't like to draw attention to ourselves, but we really felt like for the 25th, like, mm-hmm. we should really celebrate the sacrament, because here's the reality. Like, no matter who you are, like, if you're married, or you're living a sacramental vocation as a priest, or is that your sacrament isn't about you. Like it is yeah. like the grace is to help you live out your vocation, your sacramental vocation, right? But a sacrament is a is a sign of God to the world. It's a it's a it's a physical sign of God's reality. So your marriage is not just a hidden, you know, light under a lamp. Like your marriage is a sacrament meant to sh- meant to shine God's love and light to people around you. Yeah, it's a lot to carry. Well, and I think I think y'all are onto something because you may have started a trend. That would be a great trend, which is let's do anniversary parties big. We need to start a trend because we yeah. need to celebrate the sacrament, the gift that God's given us. Yep. To to live out our life, right? Like yep. Like it's not just. I think oftentimes people miss. Uh, interpret marriage in particular that marriage is about just just you and your spouse and like we just grind this out together live life you know and it either works or it doesn't (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. like whatever and like the reality is like sacrament is a much bigger than that it's it's god's reality like god gives you the gift of the sacrament and and that that gift of the sacrament gives you the grace to live out your vocation but the sacrament isn't just meant for you and your spouse. Like it is God's reality to the world, to your family, and to the people around you. And, and you know, you could do whatever you want on your anniversary. You know, and we could have gone away, just the two of us, and that would have been great, right? Mm-hmm. But for our twenty fifth, we really felt like we need to make this bigger than just us, because it is. Yeah, not in a narcissistic way, as in a way to celebrate God. You know, sort of like yeah. you do for feast days, like we celebrate, like sort of what we do for seasons, sort of like what we do for Pentecost is like, hey, this is the reality of what God is doing and what God did. 
Yeah. Well, if you believe in sacraments, which I do. Right. And that's the thing. <laughs> if you I don't believe in, in the sacraments, yeah. like, then don't worry about it. Yeah. And, you know, like. Well, and to me, this is the genius of what you've done. And I'm going to call it genius, Paul. Yes. <laughs> this is the genius of what you've done because. Well, my wife is the genius behind it all. <laughs> because, you know, when when we get it wrong, we usually flip-flop how it should be, right? Like when we get things wrong. So an example might be, um, you know, uh, if we think marriage is about giving your spouse every good thing, so I give them, you know, I work every hour of the day so I can afford to give my spouse, you know, every good thing I could think of. And in the end, all they wanted was my time because the best thing about my marriage is me. So when we get it wrong, you can exactly do the opposite, right? So we spend all kind of money and time and effort on the wedding, like tons, right? right? Which we should give it the dignity it deserves that these people are starting their life together. They're receiving a sacrament. But 25 years in, right, to be able to look back isn't that a great dignified moment as well for the sacrament? And if I believe in the sacrament to, to celebrate and to appreciate and to make present the reality of 25 years of faithful love of God to this couple and God to the community through this couple, um, isn't that a bigger moment in a way than the first moment of marriage, right? Right. Because a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, day one of marriage, I had no idea what I was getting myself into, even though maybe I understood maybe partially the theology mm. of the sacrament. Right. I didn't understand the the living out. Yeah, or no way. The allowing the grace. And I can tell you this, 100%, and this is why I am 100% sold on the sacrament. Yeah. This is why. No, not because 25 years later, uh, I'm 100% sold on the sacrament because I am the first to admit that without the sacrament and the grace of the sacrament, there is no way, 100% chance, that I would have made it 25 years. Right. Because in my own flesh, I would have given up. Like, I would have quit. Vocation is too hard. If it was easy, mm-hmm. everybody would do it. So this is our path to heaven. And and it, here, here's the beauty of with Pentecost coming up this Sunday is that uh, sacrament takes on a whole new mission through mm-hmm. Pentecost. Like, mm-hmm. our, our vocation and the gift of the sacrament becomes a way to live out Pentecost, this going out and bringing the love of God to the world around us. Like that's what a Christian mission is. Yeah. And within a marriage, it's the same, you know? So the beauty of Pentecost is that the Holy spirit empowers us. Well, how do we receive a sacrament through the Holy spirit? You know? Yeah. Uh, how, how does the Eucharist transform through the Holy spirit? That's right. Right. How is a priest anointed in the sacrament? The Holy spirit, a deacon, a married couple, baptism, Holy spirit. Like, so without the, third person of the trinity instilling the power of god in in that moment there is no sacrament well that's the power of marriage is that it is big enough christian marriage is big enough to contain the holy spirit what i mean by that is which is crazy the father and the son are big enough to contain the holy spirit Mm -hmm. the father pouring his life into the son the son receiving that life pouring it back into the father that's big enough to contain the spirit of god Right, like in its fullness, it dwells in the Trinity, and marriage as the earthly image of that Trinity is big enough. Not because the man and the woman are big enough; we're just creatures. We could never contain God, but because because of what Christ has done in establishing a church and also establishing marriage as a sacrament, He makes it big enough 
to contain the very spirit of God in the love of man and woman. That as the, the man pours his life into the, into the wife, the wife pours life back into the husband. Christian marriage is big enough that God is fully present, so much that we call it a church. Because hmm. what do you call it when God dwells with people in fullness? A church, yeah. right? And we call it a church, a domestic church. And, you know, for your 25 years of marriage, not because you did everything perfect or right, no, or Gretchen absolutely. did at all, but because of your fidelity to the covenant that God made with you in Jesus Christ in your marriage, it's been big enough to contain the spirit of God that has moved mountains in people's lives through your marriage. Absolutely. Okay. So I'm just wondering if you have a have you seen. What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though? Just wondering. I am just wondering. You may have seen this. I don't know. Because normally I pick something so crazy and out the box and remote. There's no way you've seen it. Chances are I haven't. <laughs> but you may have seen this because it's... Apparently it was hard to miss. Um... So as we all know, Roe v. Wade looking like it's about to be overturned, right? Yep. So that's the word on the screen. Any day now. Those any are the day. secrets, the leaks. Right, the leaks. Um, and so people are all responding all over the country. And we've had demonstrations on both sides, whatever. But have you seen uh, this <laughs> man named Mason DeChamp who climbed... Um, one, the New York Times building in Manhattan. Okay. This uh, past month. So this was in May. I didn't hear about it, but it was a few weeks ago. Climbed he, the building. He climbed the outside of it. It was a big old building. Commitment, either way. Yes. Um, he did get arrested for this, but this is what he did. He climbed the building and hung a sign, a huge sign in front of this skyscraper. Okay. Uh, that said, abortion kills more than 9-11 every week. Hmm. So he's a pro-life guy. Okay. He's a pro-climber. A pro climber. Um, he's 22 years old. Mm. Young right? climber. Yes. And he's actually a student in the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. So he doesn't live in New York. But he went to New York because of all these demonstrations for abortion that are taking place in New York City, yeah, which sure. has been happening. Right. Um, he felt he, the pro life side needed a big statement. Right. And so he made one. He did. He was arrested. Um, but he's being hailed as a pro life hero by many. Mm. And he gained for himself the nickname Pro-Life Spider-Man. <laughs> because, you know, if you look at these pictures, I don't know if you could see this one, but yeah. there he is literally scaling the outside of this skyscraper. That is nuts, dude. In order to un unroll this sign. That's commitment. Yeah. Is he, is he like, you know, got a rope? Uh, no. No, I mean, he. if you look at it, he does not have much... Safety equipment. Um, yeah. You guys got to look this up. Like, this is intense. This is like scaling the side of a, like a, yeah, like a skyscraper. Like, he's yeah. not like, you know, an apartment complex, like on a balcony. Mm-hmm. Well, th when they interviewed him about all this, he said, when you climb skyscrapers, so apparently he's an experienced climber. Now, this, this is, look, I'm not condoning illegal activity per se. It's creative. <laughs> but I am saying this guy was sitting in Nevada saying, what can I do? What can I do? What's my response? <laughs> I know how to climb. So right. he's apparently an experienced rock climber and that kind of, and had climbed buildings before. I'm pro-life. What can I do? And he, he did it. Um, but he said, as you climb skyscrapers, you have to pick out something that's realistic and way under your skill level because you don't want to be up there 600 feet without a rope and start to doubt yourself. So he decided that this was totally doable. Right. We all have gifts. How experienced do you have to be to think, 
climbing the outside of the New York Times building is under my skill level. I mean, he literally had no rope. We all have our strengths. If he would have fallen, he would have died. The Holy Spirit gives us all gifts, different gifts. We're all on one body, but we all have different parts. That's what it says. This guy has apparently been given the part of climbing. Well, apparently... And creativity. Apparently God wanted to bless his work, and I'm going on a limb to say that, because this actually happened the day before the leak came out. Really? Yeah, he had planned it, not related to the leak at all. Right. But he had... um. Everybody knew it was coming, but this yeah. was before the leak. So right before the leak came, you had this big old sign in New York City, which I never heard about. Surprise, surprise. Like, you know, media gets to choose what it publishes. Yeah, this is the first I've heard about it. Now, you know, that's saying nothing to the world because I live under a rock. But this is really creative. I mean, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, good for him, you know? Yeah. I mean, everyone's creative. Pro-life Spider-Man. In, in their own way, but... I mean, he is making a statement. I think it is a bold statement, you know. And, I mean, in a lot of ways, like, this is exactly um, – look, we're not – you know, I I don't want to, like, condone him getting arrested and, like, doing right. something illegal, whatever the case may be. You know, I guess if it was his own private building, there's nothing illegal about climbing a building. But it's not his building. He doesn't own it, so it's trespassing, whatever the right. laws are, you know. Right. So it's kind of like whatever – uh, but you know, the, the weird thing and in a lot of ways, like th this is exactly what, what we're talking about. Like what Pentecost and sacrament is, is a, is a visible sign of God's reality. Right. Oh, good tie in. Like, yeah. Oh my goodness. Good fall. <laughs> you like that? Yeah. And, and, and in a way, like he's living out like his yeah. mission, like he's, you know, and what I said, like I, I had a conversation with a, a farmer Catholic who turned atheist, you know, acknowledged. like he just had a lot of issues that he hadn't dealt with and you know just sort of like pushed that all onto god and and then like you know was like i don't believe anymore you know whatever and here was the interesting thing when he was when he was catholic he was a great missionary mm. all he did when he was decided to become an unbeliever was he became a missionary for unbelievers like he huh. he's a really good missionary for atheism wow like like his mission didn't change like his personality his gifts his strengths uh, his abilities, like those all stayed consistent. He just took his mission in a different way. Kind of like a rogue agent. Yeah, exactly. Just you know, Changing teams but doing the same work. Right, it's like a, like a Jedi who becomes a, a... Oh, you're right. A Sith, right? Yeah. Like just a, a bad guy. Yeah. Like a Darth Vader was, was a Jedi. Did you know that? That's right. right. Like, that's like, right. like we, Same skill set. Same skill set, right? <laughs> the ability to do same things but just for the dark side. Mm -hmm. You know, and I use that that word sort of lightly, like in a sense, like I, I love this guy, like I have right. passion, whatever, all those things. But what I'm saying is, like he just became a missionary in a different direction, mm -hmm. and so we're all we all have a sense of mission in our life and purpose, mm -hmm. right? But in Christ and through the Holy Spirit and sacrament, that mission is driven in a specific direction towards heaven, towards God, towards sainthood, towards a greater meaning and greater purpose. Our, our marriages take off in a different direction. Our life, our our sense of giftedness, all those take a path in a direction that brings glory to God and brings others with them, right? If I choose to, to have a mission without God, it, it just does the adverse, right? Mm -hmm. And I certainly will not be as happy because I don't have God's life in me and I don't have the Holy Spirit grace living inside of me. And that's why you see a lot of times people who are living 
this mission without God, they just seem miserable. They angry. Their protests are angry. angry yeah. The things that they're they're emotional. They're up and down. They're manic. They're they're depressed. You know, they they kind of go from high to high to low to low. Like it, it just seems like a awful awful path. Mm-hmm. And yet they just they just kind of continue on that. And I don't know. Yeah. Certainly not Pentecost. Yeah. Well, it seems like in the end, our Lord's words are true. Surprise, surprise. But if you're not with me, if you're not gathering with me, you're scattering, right? Right. And um, when it comes to that, you know, there's either pro, pro-gospel pro or anti-gospel. That's really the end. And those that live in a fantasy world that they can just be, let's say, pro-humanity, mm-hmm. I just love everybody, they will end up being anti-Catholic and anti-gospel. Right. Because... You accept everything and yeah. things that aren't true. Well, that, and then when you run up against the gospel and run up the teaching of the church, you'll say, well, that's wrong. That's wrong because it's hateful. That's wrong because it's intolerant. Right. So all of a sudden, you're not open to every idea. Right. Um, the only way to truly be pro-humanity, to truly be pro-everyone, is to be pro-gospel. Because the gospel is for everyone, and it's the only thing that is for everyone. Right. It literally is. Um, and so, you know, we live in an age where this mission of the gospel is so vitally important because it it literally can save people's lives. People are dying from what you just described, the depression, the anxiety, the broken marriages, the broken homes. I mean, we're literally dying from a lack of the gospel. Mm. And so we live in an age where if we can get our stuff together by the Holy Spirit, and that's the thing, we can't get our stuff together on our own. The disciples were doing what Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem till the till the Spirit comes, but they weren't ready yet. They were still a wreck. They were still a wreck. They didn't have a great plan. They didn't have a five-year they strategy that was working. A plan. <laughs> right? All they did was did what just Jesus told them, stay here. And then when the Spirit came, they became the most dominant force on earth. Right. Nothing could stop them. That's right. Um, and life didn't become easier. No. You know, like, it wasn't like all of a sudden, like, they had a clear, easy path. No, they had the grace to, to live the life that's difficult, right? They mm-hmm. had the spirit living in them to face adversity, to face the challenges. Uh, and and that's, the, that's the thing with God that we have that's beautiful. Okay, uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Healthcare that works better and costs less seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for being a part of the show today, listening in on the podcast, on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or on the radio, KLFT Radio here in Acadiana. Thanks for being a part of show 203. Three? Three. I don't know why, as you were listening those platforms that we're on, mm-hmm. I asked myself this question. I don't know why. Can you get the internet in space? Like if I was on the interna- International Space Station, 
Are they getting Wi-Fi up there? Well, Can they listen to the Paul George show? Yes, but we get internet from space. Do you think it goes both ways? It has to. Okay. Like if satellites in space are sending signals here for us to get internet, which yeah. is true. Yeah. Okay. Then they have to be able to like, you know, tie in. Plug, plug in their phone yeah, they got to it. that. Can you tie in up here and give me a little intranet? Well, if anyone on that International Space Station is listening to the Paul George Show, can you send us an email or something just to let us know? Free trip. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Can you sponsor a can trip you bring to us space? Back something? Can <laughs> like are there souvenirs from space? <laughs> like a I don't know what you could grab up there. I guess debris. I don't know. Meteorites. Um, aliens. That'd be a good one. I mean, do they not have a gift shop up there with like alien stuffed they animals? They should. I mean, well, with all these yeah. trips going to space now, you That's know, right. with, with people just kind of hopping on planes, you know, space planes, whatever. But well, if they give you a free trip, we can get you like a huge Divine Mercy image and do like the Pro Life Spider Man and just unveil this huge Divine, like as big as Texas Divine Mercy image, and the whole world sees it. That'd be pretty sweet. That would be. Look, if there's one thing that you would never find me doing ever, like if you're like. You know, two billion dollars, Paul. Two um, billion. Yeah, to That's a lot to climb a, a skyscraper. Oh yeah, no, no. I would one hundred percent say no? Absolutely not. I'm not doing it. Like, because yeah. here's the deal. Like, I would, uh, I hate heights. I would panic. You know, second one or you know, you know, whatever, and I would mm -hmm. fall and die. So the two billion would me be meaningless. Would you be more inclined to go into orbit to unveil the Divine Mercy image? Would that be I, more your vibe? I I would be more inclined to go into space than to climb the skyscraper. A, a skyscraper, but I would be more inclined to do neither. <laughs> no, I would be fine climbing a mountain. Yeah, like I like you're always on the ground. I, yeah, I like something mm -hmm. solid on ground. You yeah, know, ground I'm, is good. Yeah, it's it's not a bad thing. <laughs> Just be, high ground. High ground. I think that's the Pentecost I, message. I is I like handle it. Be grounded in Christ, but go higher. You know, the spirit will take you higher, but okay. still grounded. All right. So speaking of Pentecost and being grounded, we're going to we're going to revisit something and we're going to go to our weird Catholic stuff. Weird Catholic stuff. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so follow-up story. The last story we did, we talked about Incorruptibles, yeah. or maybe the one before that. Right. So, And um, I had mentioned... In a it? weird way. Yeah. It was really weird. Yeah. And it was an unfinished conversation. Yeah. Well, I'd, miss it, I'd mentioned Blessed Carlo Acutis that it seems like he's incorrupt and they're investigating it. Um, okay, so give a brief uh, overview of Blessed Carlos. So he died at the age of 15 in Italy in 2006, and he was just... Of cancer. Of Yeah. Um, galloping leukemia. I don't know what galloping leukemia means, right. but it sounds pretty aggressive. Well, he just... Uh, he got a dose of the Holy Ghost when he was really little, so his first communion was very meaningful to him. He didn't grow up in a pro profoundly Catholic family. I mean, like everyone in Italy, you're all Catholic, but... It's not necessarily the case that you're, you know, um, completely all into the faith. Hmm. <clears throat> but um, anyway, 
his communion was just very meaningful to him. He decided to go to daily mass, which he did the rest of his life. So at age seven, he gets his first communion and then continues daily mass sold. as a kid. Just falls in love with Jesus just in the Eucharist. Falls in love with Jesus. Well, the way he put That's it, crazy. Um, the Eucharist was his highway to heaven. So his path, his plan to get to heaven was just stay as close to the Eucharist as possible. Hmm. So he would receive communion every day at Holy Mass, but also visit the Lord in the tabernacle for long times. Um, he has dozens of really great quotes, actually. But his he spent his time, um, he, he was a smart guy, and he liked computer programming and things like that. So he spent his time doing things like creating a Eucharistic miracle website mm-hmm. that's still up and running where you can go and learn about the great Eucharistic miracles of the world. Um, so this is a very new blessed oh, yeah. you know path to sainthood he died in 2006 at the age of 15 he was a kid sold out so we did a weird catholic stuff on mm-hmm. you know incorruptibles you know the bodies yada yada so there's an update on on this right so they recently reopened his um tomb to public veneration because when they exhumed his tomb whenever someone's beatified mm-hmm. they'll exhume their remains you dig them up yeah, and make relics and whatever else. And when they did that a couple of years ago, which is when it was beatified, news broke. Oh, he's incorrupt. He's incorrupt. Well, what, maybe not. We got investigated. They got to wait a while. Yeah, like hold on, we got to investigate this. Um, well, after this investigation and that time period, they reopened his tomb for public veneration. You can go visit, and it literally looks like he's taking a nap. I mean, and he died in two thousand six. If you look at the pictures. <laughs> He looks like you could just walk up to him and be like, "Hey, buddy, w- wake up!" Right. And I, you know, I have a coworker and friend who's in Rome right now. Well, this is in Assisi, actually. It was where he's buried, but they're on an Italian pilgrimage, and she sent back some pictures from her phone of Blessed Carlo Acutis, and it, I mean, it's, it literally looks like he's taking a nap. Like, hey, and so uh, it's incredible. And what's awesome about it incredible. to me is that <laughs> incredible. He's wearing like this this like leisure suit looking jacket. Like he's very teenager. Yeah, it's like a soccer a soccer jacket. Like yeah. Jumpsuit. He's not like type. in a suit and tie or anything. He's just looks like a fifteen year old. Exactly. Because he is. Like a normal fifteen year old who yeah. happens to be And he parent. was. Like he went to school, yeah. like he right. was good at computers, he did a website, but he was like extremely devoted. Like um you know, like you said, mass and adoration like was sold out. Like his family wasn't super into the faith. Uh, he lived with a single mom, right? Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. Like you know, we did this a whole thing on you know weird Catholic stuff about you know, yeah. Catholics, but like this is a recent. Like this isn't going back to you know long time ago. Like he's a, a very contemporary saint That's in right. the making. He's blessed. So what's the next step? You know, if you're blessed. Um, I mean, this is one of the miracles. Like, honestly, like if you were buried in 2006, your body would be decayed by now. Oh, yeah. You know, because if I'm doing the math right, correct? Mm-hmm. Like, that's like... Mm, yeah, I mean, within months, you're... I mean, your remains are pretty 15, gone. 16 years. Yeah, it's a lot of years. And especially at the time, because they didn't... You You can't say this is some kind of hoax or they did this because no one really knew about him or ex- expected much from him at the time. Like, No, they weren't like, hey... He wasn't Mother Teresa famous. No, exactly. It wasn't like, hey, there's this 15-year-old kid. Like, he's gonna, <laughs> when he dies, he's going to be a saint. 
Like, right. Nobody like knew. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, he wasn't like a famous Mother Teresa. He was 15. Like, he just had this like little like square space, space you know, page, you know, yeah. doing a website and like going to mass and. Right. Not unlike a lot of like the teenagers we know. Really wasn't until like his death, like maybe miracles or devotion started to happen. Yeah. And um, he, I mean, he had an impact on his friends for sure, but kind of like a lot of the teenagers we might have experienced in youth group or things like that. Like you remember these kind of kids who are our age, but we're just really into this stuff mm-hmm. and, and, and we're good folks. He was a lot like that. Um, but I think as, as people began to look through his stuff, so his journal, yeah. um, things like that, th- this profound grace. And we were talking about Pentecost earlier, this profound experience of God like that, that's obvious from his writings um, inspired this devotion to him. You know, people um, seeing as someone who loved the Lord profoundly and, and praying for his intercession, and then that led to a, a miracle that was approved, so they exhumed his body. And then, you know, if it's declared incorrupt, I think that's the second miracle to, to canonize him. So, anyway. Here, I, and here's the amazing thing, is that, you know, we were talking about sacrament earlier in the show, and Pentecost, like, Here's a kid who was baptized, probably just formally baptized because, you know, everyone, you know, particularly in Italy is like somewhere culturally Catholic and he gets baptized, receives the grace of baptism, the sacrament, right? The Holy Spirit. And then, you know, receives his first communion, a sacrament of initiation, God's mm-hmm. presence fully. And it, it just locks in. There's something that, that connects with him in a deep, profound way for him to live out this mission. Like, and, and he, he didn't have a specific roadmap for this mission. He just knew like his mission was to go to mass and go mm-hmm. to adoration and live his life in devotion. And, you know, like as a teenager, like, what can I do? Right? Like, well, I'll, uh, I'll start a website and I, I'm, I'm really intrigued with like Eucharistic miracles. I'm going to put all that together just because like, that's what I can do with my gifts. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, and so like the Holy Spirit just used him. And oftentimes when I talk to people who are like, well, why do people who get married in the church end up divorced? Like if they have the sacrament and you have the sacrament, why did their sacrament not work? You know, quote, right, right. Right. Like, and it's not about like a sacrament not working. Like, you know, it's like you bought the same car and I bought the same car and my car broke before your car broke. It's like I bought a lemon you didn't buy lemon, mm. right? A sacrament's not like that. Like you got the good sacrament. I, I bought the lemon sacrament. <laughs> like it's not, this is God's presence. Mm-hmm. And I think the one way that I, I kind of respond to that is that um, the grace of the sacrament works and moves. The Holy Spirit works and moves as we allow God to move. Mm-hmm. And and as we give God permission and as we lean in and, and uh God, God can do work in us. We ha- we have to, grace and nature work together. We have to allow God and God's grace to move, which is free will, right? So some people who are living the sacrament who, you know, end up with, you know, a broken marriage, and a lot of times in the case, and you've probably experienced it, just as you work with annulments a lot, right, mm-hmm. is... There was just moments in their life that, that their hearts were hardened, like they just didn't allow 
the grace of the sacrament to really break through and move in their life. And it could be from various factors that we could go right. through, right? And like, they usually don't know that that's happening. They don't know. It's yeah. it's not even like an intentional subconscious. It's It could be some baggage, some brokenness, some woundedness, some hardness of heart, some all these. There's a lot of different factors, right? Yeah. And I could say like over the course of the 25 years of my marriage, the sacrament is I've had to do a lot of hard work to oh, allow yeah. the grace of the sacrament to move in my life. The grace of the sacrament at the same time has allowed me to do the hard work, right? Yeah. Well, and that's the beautiful path of sainthood that marriage is because as you do that hard work and let God soften your hard heart where you didn't know it was hard before, mm-hmm. you become more open to him. You become more the saint he created you to be. And you become like Carlo Acutis because he didn't, he didn't need marriage to do that. That wasn't his vocation. He died at 15. He literally wasn't called to be a priest, wasn't called to be a religious, wasn't called to be married. The only thing he was called to do was to be a disciple. That was literally his job on earth. Right. And so, like you said, it's about not getting in the way, not um, like being willing to let God do that work. So fully committed to that was one of his last words before he died. He said, I am happy to die because I lived my life without wasting even a minute of it on anything unpleasing to God. Wow. <laughs> oh. I can't say that. You think, okay, I, mean, I cannot say that. Can you, can you repeat, <coughs> repeat that? I am happy to die because I lived my life without wasting even a minute of it on anything unpleasing to God. Lord. So that, that is the statement of a disciple, hmm. right? Like I, I have not done anything that my master, my teacher, has not taught me to do. And that was literally his vocation. And in this age of the church where we talk about missionary discipleship so much, we have this vocation of this 15-year-old kid, not a priest, not a religious, not married, only a disciple, yet so pleasing in that discipleship that he could say that he didn't waste a minute of it. You know, from the time he was seven and got his first communion and was was hooked on Jesus, you know, like the the Eucharist was his path, he didn't let anything get in the way of that relationship. Mm. And how you and I, I mean, you know, you're talking about marriage as that example of, you know, people that, marriages that fail, there's this hardness of heart that they don't know is there. And if they get some healing, get some counseling, they can discover layers of that hardness and start peeling away. But those that are happily married go through the same process, but within marriage, right? Mm -hmm. Like they discover the hardness of heart. Mm -hmm. Um, Hands down. So it is with our discipleship. There is hardness of heart in us that we don't know is there. We're not maliciously choosing it. We're not denying, maybe some of us might be running from Jesus in our discipleship, but for those of us that are committed to the Lord and trying to be faithful, we don't know how hard our heart is. But the Spirit can break through that layer by layer over time, and we become more and more like this 15-year-old kid who just, apparently from the age of seven, just got it. By God's grace, he understood it, how to not let his heart be hardened. Well, he's an example, and I think in his youth, and, you know, he he didn't become this hardened adult. (laughs) Yeah. In a lot of ways, like we see a lot of saints who are young, right? Yeah. Because they have an innocence about them and the beauty of that is that the grace of the sacrament like he just allowed God to move in his life like he didn't put up barriers and walls it just was what it was and Mm -hmm. and it's beauty as we get older we have a lot of layers and a lot of walls and a lot of hardness through life and we have a lot of skepticism and doubt and worry and fear and anxiety and in all that just like the the 
disciples who were in the upper room waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit, they dealt with doubt and worry and anxiety. They had no plan. They didn't know what the next step was. But in that, in that anxiety, worry, fear, God moves. That's what Mm -hmm. Pentecost shows us is that God shows up. God arrives and God comes through giving us everything we need to live the life that he desires for us. Mm -hmm. Is it easy? 100% no, right? Like is the, the path paved? No, but here's the thing. The path isn't paved for someone who's a Christian and someone who's a not a Christian. Right. Right? Like life's hard no matter what, but like God gives us a, a sense of mission, the grace to live it out, the power to work through uh, the the difficult things in our life. And I can say like, you know, were there times in my 25 years of marriage in the sacrament, just like in your 15, where you're like, man, this is hard, mm-hmm. right? I don't want to do this today. You're like, but you know, but God, what do you want? Give me the grace to like, keep on keeping on, you know, are there days where I, I feel like, man, I, I want to be a saint today. Yes. And there are mm-hmm. days where like, man, nope, mm-hmm. this is too hard. Let me waste, waste a minute. Today. Let me waste a minute. Or many minutes. I'm just going to like, you know, totally eject out of reality. I'm going to forget, like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like in this, this young saint, uh, blessed, you know, Carlos, soon to be a saint, I, I would, I would say. Looks like it. I mean, this is... It's this, not often you get to bless it and then they bump you back down. <laughs> well, that's true. But, I mean, look, this level of incorruption is pretty rare. As far as I know, there are two others that are... Because, I mean, there's different levels of incorruption, like we talked about last time, where a body might still be preserved intact, but it's kind of discolored or... You know, like uh, St. John Vianney is just like this. You look at him, his skin's kind of discolored and whatever, but it's, he's not decaying. Right. But there are two others like this that are, that I know that are completely incorrupt. Looks like they're napping. St. Bernadette and St. Padre Pio. And so when you join a list like that, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not like... It's a pretty good list. <laughs> I mean, when God says, hey, this guy... In other words, 200 years from now, people are going to be more into this saint than we are now because we're just discovering him. We didn't know about him. Hmm. He was just a 15-year-old kid. And, and you know what you were just saying now about um, he's young, he hadn't been hardened... I was thinking about all those 15-year-old boys struggling with purity, struggling with chastity today because of the internet, because of computers. Mm. God sends this 15-year-old kid who uses computers to spread Mm. the gospel, who didn't waste a minute on unchastity or hardening his heart with with pornography or whatever else. Mm. We all need to see that to have a renewed hope in America, a renewed hope in uh, Europe, a renewed hope in like our society because it's very tempting today to just say it's all going to hell in a handbasket, right? That's a great point. But you have this kid who walked into the den of the beast, so to speak, on a computer using technology and became a saint. He used his time to do things with technology, with, with computers, to become a saint. And um, to me, this is a great message. He didn't lose his soul. He uh, lifted the world around him. Right. You know? And this is what saints do, everyone as I've been diving into the lives of saints, you know, even more so uh, as I'm writing this book, is that God raises up these lives of saints, like real saints, um, not not for their sake. Like, they're just living their life, right? They weren't like, hey, I'm a saint, you know, watch me. They were just living their life that God called them to live. 
but God raises up specific saints in, in, in our times to give us a witness to say, you can do this too. Like you can live this out. So every, every 15 year old kid can look at this saint and every teenager and every, you know, person who struggles on the internet can look at this saint and be like, Oh, I can do that mm-hmm. through God's grace. Like I can do what he did. Right. Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes like, you know, it's like, everybody's like, well, just be like Jesus. And like, yes, be like Jesus. But Jesus was God. Right. Yeah. You know, God raises up people who are like Jesus, who are also human and imperfect that we can also look at. They're called saints to say, Hmm, I can, I can do that too. Yeah. You know, I like, yeah. And because that's what we're called to, to strive right. for. Well, and these saints could help reveal to us the hardness of our hearts because, I mean, look what he said before he died. He said, I haven't wasted a minute for anything not pleasing to God. And when our hearts are hardened, let's say like there's a teenager struggling with pornography or a grown man struggling with pornography, the shame and the guilt and the, um, you know, the interior turmoil can be phrased in many ways. But you, if they're a good Christian trying to fight this addiction, this kind of thing, um, there's a lot of shame and guilt, and they could look at that situation in lots of different ways. But what about the hashtag, don't waste a minute? Hmm. You know, like if I, if I fall, or if someone falls looking at pornography, we could think, oh, I, I committed adultery, I did, um, you know, I was unfaithful to my wife, I was whatever. But what about the idea that I just wasted time as a disciple? I could have been following Jesus, and I chose not to. Hmm. Right, like I wasted a minute. I wasted two minutes. I wasted five minutes. So this this hashtag don't waste a minute to me is very motivating. It reveals to me a hardness in my heart, right? Because I have to ask myself, when do I waste minutes? Maybe I like I don't struggle with pornography, but there are other ways that I waste minutes. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Like so these saints and their their wisdom can permeate our hard hearts and, and reveal to us where we need to become more like them. And like you said, it's not because they're perfect or they're Jesus, but their hearts aren't hardened to Jesus. They're fertile soil that that yields sixty hundred fold. And I can be more like that. Which is they allowed the grace of God through the Holy Spirit to soften their hearts. That's right. Right? Like when that's what the Holy Spirit does, right? The disciples it said in scripture that they doubted, they worried. Mm-hmm. But the Holy Spirit softened their hearts to receive the grace that they needed, right? They, they, they became moldable to yep. the image of God, to, to the life of God. And the more and more we surrender and submit to God, the, the, the more that we become like him, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's hard. Like I have to actually hand my heart over to God, hand my wounds and my brokenness over to God and, and let him through, through grace and the Holy Spirit to heal me and reshape me. Mm-hmm. But God doesn't take from us, right? Like in free will, like I gotta, I gotta hand that over and like become a a co, you know, operator in the mission, yeah. right? And uh, this is divine marriage prep. So we're, we're tying this all together. We're talking about marriages and everything. But you've worked with couples. I've worked with couples preparing for marriage. And what you what you want to do with these couples is a little twofold. One, you want to help help them discover what marriage is. But you also want to help them discover their own relationships, their own wounds, their own origins, all of those things we just described, like those own, your own um, need for purification. And not that we're going to solve all these problems before marriage, 
But if there are some serious issues, like we need to address those before you get married, because marriage is going to make marriage can either help you work through all that stuff or you're going to bring that stuff into your marriage to make marriage almost impossible. Well, heaven is that marriage banquet between us and the Lord, right? Between the lamb and his bride. And that purification of our hearts is that divine marriage prep, that God's going to work through all of our baggage, all of our hardness of heart, all of our sinfulness, so that when we enter heaven for that marriage feast of the Lamb, we are fully prepared to live that marriage for all eternity, that there's nothing, we're bringing zero baggage from our previous marriage, right? right. Like zero baggage from our family of origin, which is Adam and Eve. We're bringing nothing of that into this new marriage to, to Christ and the Lamb. And uh, that prep will either happen here or in purgatory, but it's going to happen. Like, we bring nothing of our baggage and our wounds into heaven. And so how beautiful that through the interior life, through our relationship with Jesus in the Eucharist, like, like Blessed Carlo Cudius, through our marriage, through our priesthood, whatever God calls us to, he's preparing us for that great marriage in heaven. Amen. All right, let's take a break, and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading health care sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. <laughs> Great to be with you. Thanks again for being a part of the show. Great conversation, man. Uh, so much to talk about. You yeah. know, there, there's never something not to talk about. With, That's right. With the topics, faith, uh, church, incorruptible. It's life. Life. It's just life. It's daily life. Like it's not like, it's not like this is all separate from who we are. It's all integrated mm -hmm. into who we are. You know. And so, you do celebrate Pentecost Sunday. You know, and I think it's just a great reminder for all of us to just soften our hearts and let the Holy Spirit move. So, in that light, you know, why not do a six pack of questions? <laughs> Question. There yeah, it is. There it is. Question number one. So we started um, actually talking about this uh, marriage anniversary celebration. I really think this should be a trend. All right. So here's my question. Give me the format. How did you do it? How do other people duplicate it? How do we do what? Wait. The marriage celebration of 25 years. Yeah. How did you do it so that other people can duplicate well, and get it done? One of the the gifts that we don't have is that we're not great planners. We're sort of last minute, but we, we, and we also have a big family. So we had a lot going on, but we got to it and we, and we, we pulled it through and we're really good at last minute. So there, there you go. So the, the, the lack of gift works in another way. But I like to call it coming in, in the clutch, coming yeah. through in the clutch. Yeah, exactly. Instead of last minute. Yeah. We just, we just, <laughs> Hey, we want to have mass. So mm -hmm. we had a mass and a, a renewal of vows or whatever. Uh -huh. Nice. And so we just asked, um, priests if we can have the church whatever and we just did it you know on a monday and so a weeknight can we use yeah the and it was memorial day mm -hmm. which was actually our anniversary it just happened to fall that day but it could have been another day so we 
you know, invited family and friends to the mass and then had a reception basically at our house, you know, get together at our house with, you know, food and, and drinks and, and just hanging out like just life. And it was, that was, that was it. You know, we just sent out the invite over text to a friend, you know, with technology, it becomes really easy. And, you know, you got the invite, you were busy, you couldn't come, but you know, a lot of people showed up and it was great. And the people who were supposed to be there were there. And it was really not so much about like who showed up as much as it was us celebrating what God has done in our life through his grace, not through ours. Awesome. So we could do that too. That Easy. sounds doable. Yeah. You got to guarantee me that in 10 years you will do it. Sure. Can I hire you and Gretchen as my anniversary planner? Of course. Yeah. It'll be last <laughs> minute, but we'll pull it off. Come through in the clutch. Yes. <laughs> All right. Question number two. We talked about pro-life Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned that you would never climb a skyscraper. Never. So... You've told me this before, that you're not a fan of heights, Mm-mm. even though you're way up there in height, like that's where you live. Yes. Um, what's the thing you've done to challenge that fear the most in your life? Like what is the moment where you've pushed yourself the most? It's interesting you ask that because I am really about conquering fears. I've done it a lot in my life. Speaking, I, you know, I don't. it's not something that comes natural to me, being in front of people. Uh, heights, you know, mm-hmm. one thing, you know, uh, things like that, certain sports, you know, so I've, I've bungee jumped, I've climbed mountains. You bungee jumped. Yeah. Um, That's a big one I've for I've done a, some rock yeah. climbing, things like that. And I was afraid the whole time. I hated it, <laughs> but I did it. That's awesome. Just to prove that fear can be overcome. Bungee jumping, huh? It doesn't go away. You got to like walk through fear. Fear doesn't go away. Walk through fear. Yeah. What's on the other side? Freedom. Oh man! Freedom to know that you—that fear doesn't conquer your heart. You know, just like the disciples, like they were fear fearful in the room, but like Jesus, is like no, I come into the fear and I move you through it. So what's on the other side of fear? Knowing that fear doesn't conquer you—that is good stuff. Yeah, well done. All right, question number three. Um, we talked about Pentecost, and this Sunday, of course, is Pentecost. Now a lot could be said about. Pentecost, but where, where's your mind this year? I know each year, something I've learned about you is you kind of anticipate the big feasts, mm-hmm. and you think about, like, this year. So, for example, you, you like to talk about um, when New Year's coming around, like, this year, what's what's the mission God has for me? So I know you've thought about this. This Pentecost, yeah. where's your head at? Where's your heart at? Like, what's what's... I'm going to go back to this simple prayer that this old church lady taught me a long time ago. And it was very simple. And uh, she was very holy and cute. And she said, just pray this simple prayer. Holy Spirit, I give you permission to work in my life. And I would say like for Pentecost, like at Mass this Sunday, and for Pentecost, through the Pentecost season, just pray that prayer. Holy Spirit, I give you permission to move in my life, whatever that means. And that's allowing our hearts to be moldable and shapeable and open up so that God's power, his spirit, and his grace can begin to move, operate, move us in mission, but also heal parts of our lives that we've never surrendered. Mm. Simple prayer for Pentecost. There you go. Man, you're on fire with these questions, sir. All right, question number four. So we talked about Blessed Carlo Acudis, and I'm just challenged by his idea of not wasting a minute. Um, But you mentioned something interesting that as he died young and he didn't get older a lot of us get jaded as we get older and kind of go through life um speak to me about 
the people you've met that have not become jaded as they get older? Because I, I, I was as you were saying that, I thought of some people. They were mostly religious that I thought of. Like I remember the nuns that I've met that just seemed like free as mm-hmm. free as a bird flying in the air. But what about people that are living just married life? I know you met people like that that just yeah. s- seem not jaded by the world. Have you learned how to do that? Like what I'm learning, <laughs> I think. Here's the thing. Instead of mentioning names, I'll mention a virtue or a gift of the Holy Spirit yeah. that is evident in someone who's not jaded, and it's joy. Mm-hmm. That gift of the Holy Spirit. If you find someone who has joy, you know that their their life hasn't been easy, but they've the, they haven't become jaded by the world. Like God has kept their heart very moldable and lovable, and and the sign of that is joy. That's what I'm working on. Mm. I like that. All right, question number five. We talked about in marriage or out of marriage, you know, if a marriage fails or if a marriage succeeds, either way, there's a journey of discovering your own uh, hardness of heart, your own need for healing, and and um, and that's part of the process. So I guess my, my question would be, um, for those of us that are married where, like, we haven't really thought about that, that's not part of our daily marriage experience of me kind of discovering need for healing and growth in myself how could i where could you point us like how could i learn more about that or um kind of start that journey if i haven't really intentionally been on that journey maybe i've been married five ten years and never really thought about that how do i start investing in that direction like that self-discovery healing yeah um, i would say if you're married like unless you're completely clueless marriage has intentionally brought up the things that God wants you to work on. <laughs> like that's the nature of vocation. And if you haven't done that, then start doing that, you know, make a list, you know, because they've come up. If a you've list. ignored nice. it, if you've ignored it, then, they, and, you know, then you're just like shoving it on the rug. If you're not married, it's a little bit harder because by nature as, as a single person, you can kind of hide your behaviors. Mm. And I would say a lot of times, you know, single folks can become lazy and working on virtue and holiness and I don't say that in a bad way. I just say that it's by nature, right? Like we kind of, as a human, tend to go the easiest route when we're not challenged. So you ha- almost have to really challenge yourself, you know? As we've talked about the Holy Spirit and power and fear moving through that is if you're not pursuing your vocation intentionally, like if you're not in a sacramental vocation, if you're not pursuing it, like I would say like pray that the Holy Spirit would give you the grace to intentionally move forward and not be lazy in pursuing your vocation. Wow. That's good stuff. All right, question number six. Um, why don't we end with uh, maybe a little prayer to the Holy Spirit for the church, for the world? Why don't we do that? It's Pentecost. I just feel like we need to ask the Holy Spirit. That's a good So that's why don't we point. end with that? Yeah. Well, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I'm going to start with that simple prayer. Holy Spirit, uh, we give you permission to work and move in our life this Pentecost. So we pray that whatever it is that you want to do in our life, healing, uh, reconstruction, uh, a sense of mission and purpose, um, helping us to, to grow in whatever areas of our life, to take hold of the life that you're calling us to, that, that your Holy Spirit would operate and move and that our hearts would become moldable and shapeable. And that we would believe that the same Holy Spirit that empowered the, the, the disciples, the apostles to live out their mission, to move through fear, 
that would, um, that Holy Spirit that we received at baptism and confirmation would move in our life every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Yeah. There you have it. There you go. I'm fired up this week. Great man, show. Who knows, man? I need it more than ever. Let's not waste a minute Let's this week. Let's not waste a minute. Not one minute. Do not waste it. Hashtag. Oh, we should get coffee mugs, shirts, <laughs> banners on skyscrapers. Don't steal Hashtag our ideas. Hashtag not a minute. People could make a lot of money on our ideas on this show. So <clears throat> anyway, true. thanks everyone for being a part of the show, for listening in on the podcast or on the radio. We appreciate it and all of our um, supporters and sponsors. And we'll talk to you soon next week. God bless.